everybody, and welcome to episode 148 of the Rough Cut Retrospective, a podcast that brings you movie, TV, and pop culture discussions amidst the world burning around us. I am one of your hosts, Jackson Mahiran. Hi, hello. Nice to see you guys. Welcome back. If you're new, hi, hello. Um, and join with me, the same old but great old uh, co-host. He's not a gun. It's Mr. Carter Sims. Hello, Carter. Superman. Hey, <laughs> call me Kent hey. Mansley today. Oh, wow. All right. I'm going to bring that energy today to the podcast. I am scared of that, but I'm I'm down. Okay, Good. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this week we are talking, uh, we're doing a little rough cut retrospective, top 100 movies discussion, and we are doing the Iron Giant, which I think is going to be super fun. Um, classic animated movie. Super excited to get into that. But first, Carter, tell me something, boy. Tell me something, boy. Ooh, well, Jackson, um, as many people know, because we teased it last week, this week was supposed to be uh, my birthday episode, and uh, mm-hmm. we were going to do our little 2010s Oscar draft. Uh, had to push that back mm-hmm. a week to get our, our buddies over at Cap involved, so that'll be coming next week. So because of that, it was my birthday this week, so I went to New York with the family. And so I didn't really watch a bunch of movies per se, but I did see Billy Joel in concert at Madison Square Garden, which was a blast. That's awesome. And I texted the group chat and I was like, you'll never guess who showed up to perform for a couple of songs with Billy Joel. And you guys were guessing like Taylor Swift and things like that. And I was like, no, Kevin Bacon showed up (laughs) on stage, played the guitar for like two songs. and And we were like, oh, Kevin Bacon. So that was fun. Got to see Kevin Bacon in Madison Square Garden. Um, so check that out. I saw Moulin Rouge uh, in the theater on the Broadway, nice. which was fun. I'm sure Bebo will enjoy that one. Shout out to my theater kids. And you saw MJ the Musical also uh, in on Broadway, which was fun. And fun fact, Michael Jackson has the same birthday as me, in case people were wondering. Wow. And, yeah. And, uh, and that's pretty much it i checked out a couple old disney movies that i hadn't seen before mm-hmm. i'm getting prepped for a fun disney episode we're doing in a couple weeks so doing a little homework there and then the only things i really watched were trailers this week i thought the killer trailer was sick uh the michael Mann yeah. one i thought that one looked mm-hmm. pretty sick i thought the Saltburn trailer looked fun the emerald Fennell one coming out later this year and i thought the ferrari trailer was awesome too so a lot of cool trailers coming out Super and a lot of movies come out at Venice this week. So I'm excited to see those. And, and yeah, but now I'm back. I have a lot of catch up to pull, to do. I need to go check out Gran Turismo colon based on a true story and <laughs> uh, bottoms. I need to check out bottoms too, which is looking fun. So I'm so excited. That's what I was into. What about you, buddy? Were you into a little more in movies than I was or what, what was the deal? Yeah, I was. I watched a lot of movies this week. First of all, I need to say last week, because I was so excited talking about the Wheel of Real, I forgot to mention me and Abby celebrated our four-year anniversary. Hey! I got a little chewed out for that, which is okay, <laughs> um, just as a joke. Um, so yeah, shout out to Abby. Happy anniversary. Thank you for supporting me during all this, which is very fun. Um, but bringing back to the Wheel of Real, which is something we've been doing where you know, we're really bad at picking what movie to watch. So we made a list of like a ton of movies that we see on streamers and stuff that we have on DVD. We threw it onto a digital wheel and then we take three spins every night. And then whoever's turn it is to pick gets to pick between those three. 
It's been super fun. I totally recommend this if you're like really indecisive. So this past week, I did a rewatch of 1917, which was fantastic. Abby had nice. never seen it before. Really good, really solid war movie. Um, we checked out Prey on Hulu. Oh, which yeah. Is like the Predator franchise. I liked it. It's I don't think it was like amazing like everyone else seemed to, but it's I totally no get like Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's just like not I don't know how to describe like honestly, like everything except for the Predator stuff was like really good. <laughs> I thought. I don't know. Yeah. Like the second we got to the Predator, I was like kind of bored. But um, also has the one of the one, worst the one sequence where they're in like the fog is pretty lit, right? Oh, you know? that was cool. Yeah, that's, that was cool. That's the best part of the movie. I think I think the, the the thing that immediately took me out of the movie was uh the opening crawl when like the prey is coming down from the sky and but the first thing you see is like copyrighted by whatever it's like okay <laughs> why'd you have to include that on the that's kind of stupid Fair. um so that did that I gave Rocky a rewatch this week mm, and I did yep. not like it the first time but I've come around to it I get the character now a little bit more and I oh, am nice. a Rocky Stan we'll be doing that um, at some point totally get it. On yeah, top 100, yeah, yeah. So. I, I'm on board. I'm Amazing. on board. Um, and then I got around to watching Emily Criminal on Netflix. Ooh, I thought that was pretty good. That came out last year, I think, or maybe earlier this year. I think last year. Yeah, um, it was a solid one. It was solid. I I don't think it was like yeah, I don't think it was like amazing, but I think it was pretty good. I like I like the cast. Arby Plaza was really good. Um, and then finally, I checked out The Civil Dead. The Civil Dead. It's about this guy who's like a photographer in L.A. And he's uh-huh. like going out to find like inspiration. And when he does so, uh, he runs into an old friend who like lived in LA, but he kind of lost contact with. And like they hang out for the day. And he's like, All right, man, you need to leave. And he goes, I can't. He's like, What? And he goes, I'm dead. I'm a ghost. And he's like, What? <laughs> and then it's so it's just kind of like this buddy, like dark comedy about like him and his friend who is dead and like like their scams that they do to get rich and like but then eventually he's like, all right, like, I can't stand like being with you. Like, you gotta leave me alone. And he's like, no, I like, you're the only person who can see and talk to me. And I've been so lonely. And it's just like this really interesting uh, kind of concept. And I, I really enjoyed it. I don't recognize anyone in this cast, but it looks, it looks fun. No, it's, it, they wrote and art in it. So, and directed it all themselves. <laughs> and it's awesome. pretty good. I like, I totally recommend it. I watched it on Canopy. Um, but yeah, it was pretty sick. It was nominated for Best Graveyard Shift Feature at the Nashville Film Festival. So there you go. How about that? <laughs> Whatever that is. I think it's good. I think you would like it. Awesome. Um, I totally recommend that. I'll check it out. I'll add it to my yeah. wheel of reel, which I don't have, but I'll make one for you. Let's go. Wonderful. <laughs> Sweet. Well, should we should we get into it? Let's do it. I'm ready for my close-up. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Woo-hoo. So... As we mentioned, uh, this week we are covering the Iron Giant. Two nights ago, a SATCOM radar detected an unidentified object entering Earth's atmosphere. This is the greatest discovery since television or something. Warner Brothers Family Entertainment presents... The story of a young boy... And a giant from another world. Now, why would you tell your mom about a giant robot? No privacy. Sorry. Who became a hero on this one? You gotta hide. You can't protect him. Go to Cobra. Cobra, no! The kid in his hand. You can fly. You can fly. 
which released in 1999. I was probably one years old at this point. I don't know about you. Two for me. Um, woo! The glory days. Um, right. This is a family adventure movie. And it is Brad Bird's directorial debut, which I find to be very interesting. Mm. Uh, for those who don't know, he did some Mission Impossibles. He did Ratatouille, Incredibles, um, Tomorrowland for all those Tomorrowland heads. Um, Mission he's a bunch Impossible. Of stuff, he's, yeah. Yeah. He's he's goaded. He's really great. Um, so the log line for the movie is it came from outer space. In the small town of Rockwell, Maine, in October 1957, a giant metal machine befriends a nine-year-old boy and ultimately finds its humanity by unselfishly saving people from their own fears and prejudices. Yeah, starring Eli Marienthal, Jennifer Aniston, Harry Connick Jr., Christopher McDonald, and Vin Diesel um, as the Iron Giant, which is pretty great. Uh, this movie had a budget of fifty million uh, U.S. dollars and a box office of thirty-one point three million dollars. So <gasps> this was a oh no commercial flop, which is really fascinating um, because like this is kind of the time when like Warner is like really shifting into like doing some animated stuff, and like they weren't really like super confident because they had this other flop about like some Camelot movie or something oh, that was no. animated. And so, like, they didn't really believe in this. So they had this weird marketing push for it. And it just, like, did not uh, do super well, unfortunately. But I feel like now it's kind of, like, reached an acclaimed, like, cult status as far as, at least I think. I don't know. What, do you think? Do you agree with that? I I would I would agree with you. And I think the, the community agrees with you, too. I think this is a Letterbox Top 250 movie. There are a lot of... I think so, yeah. There are a lot of fans out here for this. I think it's one of those that has mm-hmm. just grown over time. And the nostalgia factor really hits home for at least our generation, if not the generation before us as well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think, definitely. I think that definitely has to do with it. Yeah. Do you have a memory of like the first time you saw this movie? I think my earliest memory of this is bits and pieces of it on like cartoon network. I, I think was mm-hmm. when I was, when I was watching it, when I was like probably seven or eight. So I don't know if I ever had seen the movie in full until like a couple of years ago, really, because I would just keep catching it on like Saturday morning cartoon or something like that. Maybe it would be on. Car- yeah, uh, I feel Network. like I'm kind of in the same boat there. Like, like yeah. I maybe saw it at a friend's house, but this is like not one that I owned growing mm-hmm. up. So this is like so if I saw it on TV, I'd watch some of it. But I don't think I like watched it all the way through until I was like 20, probably like not until like much, much later in life. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think I. In the same boat. It was not like a staple for me as it was for some people growing up, but I think it still holds up pretty well, even at our age. And then uh, before we get into the the deep, gritty details of it, do you have any initial thoughts on the movie? Uh, for me, it's, it's pure nostalgia for me, just in terms of mm-hmm. like just the 90s animation. So innocent, so heartfelt, and not just a dumb animated movie like we get here and there every so often and they're mm-hmm. just like things are just properties now and we have to make a sequel to an like like a despicable me four or a minions three something like that <laughs> true if you would yeah so just a nice original concept they haven't attempted to sequelize it unless you count like the iron giant showing up in ready player one which is just awesome or the multiverses games oh god on, yeah uh, for warner did, brothers did the iron giant show up in space jam a new legacy i'm sure he was there i'm I'm almost positive that he did. Yeah. So he's popped up, which tells you the cultural impact that it has. But 
but yeah, for me, it's just so, so lovely, so heartfelt and actually has deep meaning while also being just a fun kids movie on the surface, but is so much more deeper when you grow up. What about you? Yeah, for me, I consider this to be like one of the best animated movies of all time. Yeah. Um, And I think Brad Bird should kind of go down as like one of the best storytellers in this specific medium. Like obviously like animated movies are art and our movies and are, are, are legit, but like he's like really in this like corner just like kind of dominating between ratatouille and incredibles and this and and a few others i'm sure but like he is just like and the fact that this is his directorial debut is like so crazy to me because like what a home run in my yeah. opinion yeah um and but yeah overall i just think this is like a great movie about like empathy and kindness that everyone should watch at least once in their mm-hmm. life I think so. I don't Um, think a cynic can watch this movie. I don't know how you can be cynical. I mean, we'll get to it later when we talk about some reviews that we we read, maybe, of people Mm -hmm. being cynical. (laughs) But but yeah, I don't know how you can not leave the movie without feeling all warm and fuzzy inside. Um, Yeah, so let's uh, hop into Great Scott, Scott. where uh, we kind of dive into some uh, pre-context for like what happened, uh, like what was going on at the time. And uh, yeah, so while this movie was released in 1999, I figured it would be better to contextualize the year that the movie is set in. So we're going to look mm. at the year 1957 instead. Fun. Um. So some, yeah. So some movies that were released in 1957, Old Yeller, uh, The Bridge on the River Kwai, and Banger. 12 Angry Men. Banger. Um, some television shows at the time was uh, Leave it to Beaver, I believe debuted in 1957. And then yeah. I Love Lucy was like, wrapping up its show too uh in that time and then the the popular music of 1957 it was nobody i recognized except for elvis presley was just rocking it with like all shook up jailhouse rock like all of that stuff was kind of rocking the the radio waves at the time boy. Uh, but most importantly i kind of wanted to get into the fact that this takes place uh like during the cold war mm-hmm. like as like the backdrop of the movie um which i think is super important because like especially in this film, I feel like the themes of paranoia and agitation really inform uh, a lot of the characters in the film, especially like the military uh, characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really interesting to have Hobart be this innocent kid who loves like space and science. And like, he's so like innocent towards these ideas of the time. Like he like zones out during like these atomic bomb cartoons, like where they're like, hide under the table and you'll be safe or whatever, which is like crazy that that even happened. Yeah. Um, And then like, he's like really excited to talk about like Sputnik. And then like the military guy is obviously like, yeah, like we don't like Sputnik or whatever. Like, and then just kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's like a really interesting thing. And then obviously like the atomic era influenced the media at the time like especially with like the crazy science fiction stories like like i mean like like japan really rocked it with um you know like the godzilla stuff at the time and just like all the crazy like and like the giant ants uh that was like the american movie i forget what it's called but like all that stuff was like super prevalent which were like kind of homaged in the films that like hobart watches on the tv and like the black and white like science fiction stuff like Mm -hmm. the brain that's like crawling around and like all that stuff is so fun um, but yeah, I figured that would be like kind of important uh, just to contextualize for 1957. Um, then going into the pre-production of this movie, I first wanted to talk about, too, how this is actually adopt- adapted from a book um, that was written in 1968 called The Iron Man, which mm. was written uh, by Ted Hughes, which is Hughes is, of course, the last name of Hogarth. This is like how they got the name for that, which is pretty nice. cool. Um. 
so these like the iron man and they had to rename it obviously because like the marvel character ah. um, which is funny because like he was not super prevalent at the time i think the iron giant is a way better name oh yeah uh, than the iron man Rolls off uh, the i think that's great yeah um so the book is like way different it's a more of a fairy tale kind of like like the characters are, are a little different but hogarth is like <laughs> one of the main differences is Hogarth finds the Iron Man and then convinces the village to catch him in a big hole. And then like, but then he feels like really bad. And then like, he like reconciles with like the Iron Man, but then out of nowhere, uh, <laughs> and, and I guess they, they also uh, relocate into a scrapyard and stuff like in the movie, but then out of nowhere, a dragon from space appears, of course, <laughs> and like challenges the, the um, and the Iron Man like challenges the dragon to a contest. And like the contest is like, who can survive being lit on fire? <laughs> And so, like, so, like, the Iron Man is, like, rolling around in flames. And then, like, the dragon flies to the sun and just, like, hangs out on the sun for a little bit. And then, like, they, like, then the dragon, like, comes back and is, like, I've learned compassion from you. And then they, like, both kind of, like, go their separate ways and, like, leave. I mean, he leaves Earth alone, which is kind of uh, interesting. But, like, the thing that, like, originally, like, dr- like draws the dragon into the to earth is like the fact that they're like bombing each other and stuff so it, it kind of ties back to like the war stuff but it is kind of like this weird um i don't know just it's kind of like this weirder angle that's more fantastical um the yeah. iron man is also never said to come from space he like emerges from the water and like Ooh, like the, interesting the, which is kind of interesting um but yeah like so that's like kind of like the weird differences between the movies um i should say too uh ted hughes pinned the iron man the iron man to comfort his children after his wife Sylvia uh, committed suicide. So like, this is kind of like an interesting like way to like help his children, like cope and process death, which is something obviously that's really prevalent in the movie. And what's really interesting. And this is also really sad too. um, Brad bird. The reason like one of the reasons he um, wanted to do like the anti-gun like route for this, obviously too, was because his sister in 1989 uh, was a victim uh, of gun violence and and mm. and died um so it is kind of interesting to have these two creators of this project um have, so close to it like so so much yeah so much of it is about personal loss and like overcoming and like helping family move on and like children move on and i just think that's like a really powerful um core to it i don't know i i think that's like really obviously really tragic and really sad but like i think something positive came out of it absolutely um, which is pretty great yeah um yeah and then uh, as far as pre-production stuff i just want to say that uh the film was animated using traditional animation with with computer generated imagery um for the iron giant and like some other effects which i think was like really seamless um but also like this was the first time a full cgi character was like ever in an animated movie which i think is like really cool too like it, it is like a part of animation history for sure yeah, and I think it I think it works quite well since he's from another planet. So I think it works narratively mm-hmm. the way that he moves compared to everyone else. So it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I think it's really sick. Sweet. Uh should we move on into You Did It? Congratulations. Absolutely, we should. You did it! Congratulations. What works, Carter? What do you like about this movie? Quite a lot. Uh I first want to ask, and I don't know if you found this in your research at all, but one mm-hmm. thing that I like is that the Iron Giant doesn't really have an origin. We don't really know where he comes from. He, yeah, he's just from space. And like, yeah. that's it. <laughs> that's uh, all we know. <laughs> I like that we don't get bogged down 
kind of with it and that there wasn't mm-hmm. an element like, oh, there's more people coming from whatever planet this is. So I kind of like just the simplicity of it, mm-hmm. which helps with the, the fact that it's an hour and 26 minutes is just remarkable. Like we, that's the, per- this movie doesn't need to be as long, longer than that, shorter than that. It wastes yeah. no time. It has moments of heart and funny and then moments of like real levity and things like that and all in an hour and 26 minutes so it's a really tight script and i enjoy it a lot Mm -hmm. that it's that that it's that long or that short you already mentioned kind of the setting of of 1957 and cold war and like it's cool just all these things in the background like he has a comic titled the red menace like it's like Mm -hmm. it's just in you know the, the atomic holocaust video he doesn't care about and I just like the theme throughout of that we're scared of what we don't know. So we need to blow it up, whether it be yeah. the Iron Giant or communism or the Russians or the Chinese, whatever Kent Mansley is trying to preach there. I mm-hmm. I like that as, as an adult now, it's something to watch. Uh, but as a kid, you probably don't pick up on that either. So there's just a lot of good lessons in this movie. Like all I know that you love all the Superman aspirations, I'm sure. Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as a Superman fan, uh, it's kind of we seeing like it's like almost weird. Like I can like put myself in the Iron Giant shoes and be like, oh, he found a guy who he wants to aspire to be and like to be the best version of himself. And like that's his role model. I'm like, that's really cool. Like, I think that's so sweet and like such a fun way uh, to relate to this this person. And like to like to you, Superman is so much fun in this yeah and it's so good like the whole like like whenever he puts the s on his chest or i mean we'll get into it obviously but like it's so and especially whenever he's showing him the books and like there's the scary robot like atomico or whatever it's called Tomo. and he gets really yeah he gets upset because it's like he's the bad guy and he doesn't want to be the bad guy he wants to be superman and i just think that's so so sweet and endearing uh and yeah i just love it yeah it's just wonderful because essentially the movie is what if a gun became self-aware and didn't want to be a gun and you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's some heavy stuff that I hadn't considered. Yeah. So I love that. Uh, you you mentioned the animation style that I think works really well. Just mixing the computer generation with the with the hand-drawn mm-hmm. animation. The hand-drawn stuff, too, is like just beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just it's some of the best like 2D stuff, I think. Um, just like the way like everyone, everyone like looks really like 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 their faces are like flushed and expressive and like they're i don't know like everything is just so warm yeah and i think it's just it might just be the 90s nostalgia too like Mm -hmm. when the old warner brothers logo showed up i was just like oh yes Mm -hmm. i'm immediately transported to a different time and it's just wonderful and the nostalgia of like you know the voice is of like jennifer aniston in the 90s and Mm -hmm. i can't think of a more 90s person than harry connick jr harry but... <laughs> connick jr yeah and i feel like they were like modeling his character after jeff goldblum and it's like oh they <laughs> didn't did get look jeff cool goldblum, but they're like all right <laughs> he looked so cool that um, Nick. Mm-hmm. yeah um which by the way i learned was like a word that was made by uh this guy from san francisco because i was like what even is this mm-hmm. and it was like a derogatory term made for like artists who were like a little a little different and like uh anti-materialist and stuff at the time, which like, I guess like maybe at the time too, like because you're anti-materialistic during like the cold war, it seems as like anti-American or whatever, but like very like artsy um kind of guys. But ironically, uh, the term was not coined until a year after that this movie takes place. So oh, uh, that's, the one, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. 
ahead of he the was curve. A, I guess he was ahead of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he coined the, the word here, but uh, yeah. What a guy. Uh, what a that's guy. wonderful. Yeah. Shooter McGavin. <laughs> yeah. Chris, again, more, uh, more nostalgic nineties, Christopher McDonald. There is nobody that plays a sleazeball <laughs> villain better than Christopher McDonald. God, so. And he's so, he's so, he's such a funny character too. Like the whole, like the introduction of him, like talking about, I forget the exact quote. Things like this don't happen in small cities. They happen in big cities. That's why I'm trying to get out of here. Like, or yeah. whatever, like just trying to like do his job and get out is like pretty crazy too. And like the way he interacts with Hogarth is so creepy and weird. And <laughs> he chloroforms so him. He, he drugs him. He chloroforms Hogarth. Um, and then like watches him as he falls asleep, which is kind of weird too. <laughs> Nails his windows shut. Ridiculous. And then and then there's a whole montage of him with IBS, which is pretty funny too. Um, <laughs> as he runs around the town. Classic. But also, yeah, his introduction where he doesn't believe the guy, and then he goes to his car and he's like, Oh my god! And like the whole car is like a big bite taken out of it. Like all that stuff like really works for me. Um, he's a great bad guy. That's uh that's kind of all the things I have, other than just Again, just this theme of you are what you choose to be is is great in this kids movie and it has a, a a bunch of different angles on how to get into it and I and I just love mm-hmm. it. But but yeah, what about, what about you? Anything that we haven't mentioned that you are like yes? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the message of empathy. Of course, I just want to like yeah say again just because it is so good. Like the choosing your fate, a gun that doesn't want to be a gun. Oh my god, like that's, that's so sad and yeah. so tragic. Um. I do want to talk about the fact that I feel like this movie captures boyhood in a way that I've never really seen mm. before in a movie like Hogarth just palling around like this little main town, like jumping in the water and going to fight aliens with his little BB gun. And like, I don't know, like, and he's like, so like, he obviously like has emotions for this, for this, for his new friend and like protects him and he's brave and a spotlight. Like he's like a really cool like role model. I feel like for boys watching this, and in a way that I found to be very, um, I don't know, very healing almost. I I really like the character of Hogarth. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool because he doesn't really, at least we don't see it that he has uh, like real friends outside of the Iron Giant. So he's just kind mm-hmm. of this independent kid who's making his own friends and like paving his own mm-hmm. path, which I think is nice too. So yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah. Yeah, I love I don't know. Like, it just feels like it's so like, I don't know. I just like really love just watching him be a kid and also like having like the best. Like, he's like, I'm the luckiest kid in the world. Whenever he finds this giant robot, and it's like, yeah, you are like, you're about to have so much fun. Um, And like, just like him, like finding like father, like a father figure in uh, Harry Connick Jr.'s character. And just like, I don't know, like, I really, I really like what this movie does for him and like how it like utilizes the partnership and doesn't like, I don't know. Cause it, it's obviously like just his, as much his movie as, as it is uh, the iron giants. I just think they really uh, blend those together, but and we, um, we do we have moving to, on to that. Oh, go on. I was just going to say, we don't get an explanation of where the dad is. Do we I'm not remembering that? Like, are they divorced? Is he dead? Like we don't get I mean, any of that. It's, pr- it's probably with, yeah, I do like that. I don't think we need to know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess it's like probably too late past the war to for it to be like a war death. Uh huh. Um. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he just uh died young or skipped out or who knows. But it is kind of cool that first of all, uh, Jennifer Aniston too is just amazing in this as the mom. Peak um, Aniston yeah. here. Oh, totally. 
so great um but yeah moving on do you have any uh favorite scenes uh, uh from this movie of course i i of course like the the intro uh the first intro of speaking to the giant for the first time when he like mimics mm-hmm. hogarth sits down and like learns between rock and tree tries to follow him home <laughs> all <of> that <laughs> is is tremendous and then i think shortly after that is when he saves the train and the parts come apart he comes apart and they come back together when the train mm-hmm. hits him uh i love it because he's i feel like every superhero gets a save the train moment and to watch him like try to like line up the tracks and then, like, <laughs> he gets hit by the train while doing it is so funny um and so innocent like it just shows like he doesn't understand the agency but he just wants to get it right because like he told him to and oh I, I just love that scene and like yeah seeing like the parts like crawl back to each other is really fun too with the foreshadow which will come at the end of the movie yeah. of course mm-hmm. uh so i, I enjoy yeah. that I enjoy when the hand comes and like plays around in the house at dinner time. I like that. A <laughs> He's lot. doing the prayer, trying to get him away. <laughs> the prayer is hilarious. And then when Kent comes and mm-hmm. he has to go up to the bathroom because the toilet flushes and and he's like, you know, this is why we chew our food. <laughs> it's just a great moment. Uh, but then I think my first like favorite scene is the Iron Giant and the Deer. I think might be my mm-hmm. favorite scene. Yeah, when- that's my favorite scene too. Feel bad about the deer, but it's not your fault. Things die. It's part of life. It's bad to kill, but it's not bad to die. You die? Well, yes, someday. I die? I don't know. You're made of metal, but you have feelings. And you think about things, and that means you have a soul. And souls don't die. When he learns about, you know, death and gives this whole spiel about guns kill. It's bad to kill, but it's not bad to die. I love that. And then he's telling about, like, his mom, my mom says souls don't die, things like that. I enjoy yeah. that a lot. That kind of seems like the crux of the movie for me and the the whole, the whole, uh, the ethos of it all. So I, I, I quite enjoyed that one. Um, You said that's your favorite scene. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just like to see the, like, like he sees the gun and he understands death and has to like process it. And like, again, this is where I feel like this is like, uh, Brad bird and, and, uh, Hughes talking mm-hmm. out to like the children of like understanding death and processing death and how it's okay. And it happens to everybody. Um, and like they there's oddly like a lot of like religious aspects into it, like talking about souls and like souls mm-hmm. live on forever and if you're good, which like I I found to be pretty interesting in an animated movie. I feel like there aren't usually um I guess besides the movie Soul, uh <laughs> recently, but I feel like there usually <laughs> isn't like this like religious undertone in a lot of stuff, especially I guess maybe post two thousands, I feel like. Um not a ton, which I found yeah. kind of interesting uh in that regard. Yeah, and I think it I think it works the just the fact that it's non-specific or non-denominational too in, in any regard mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Where it's it's pretty universal. And I don't think that I mean, unless you're mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro or something, you read into that more. But but yeah, I <laughs> uh I enjoy that all that as well. And mm-hmm. and then I have um when the giant starts flying, when like Superman he's like, like Superman, he start, he discovers he can fly when he mm-hmm. falls off the Yeah. Uh, I love that scene. And then of course the final scene, which if you're taking the deer scene, I'll take this as the final scene is my favorite scene. Okay. You 
Tells him oh, you don't have to, you don't have to be a gun. Show them you're good, and he goes and sacrifices himself. And and then it's a callback, obviously, when Iron Giant's like, "You stay, I go." No following, mm-hmm. and he shoots off into the sky, takes the missile, goes Superman, and then blows up. I mean, come on, come it's on, so good. I guess we haven't even talked about Vin Diesel as Iron Giant, have we? Amazing, yeah, amazing. It's it's crazy. Maybe and- one of his best performances. I was going to ask this later. Maybe I'll ask it now while we're here. The the Vin Diesel component. Is it at mm-hmm. all? Is it enhanced because of Vin Diesel's, you know, track record or career over the years? Or is it, or is it just like, wow, that was Vin Diesel? Or like, does it hold an extra weight now that you're like, oh, he's just Groot and Fast and Furious Vin Diesel when he used to do interesting projects or, or what? How does it sit in your brain? The Vin Diesel part of it? I mean, I, I don't think like the fact that it's Vin Diesel like ruins it for me. It is more interesting that like Vin Diesel like has such a like like really good role because like he really just doesn't have a ton of stuff. But his yeah. voice acting career, I think, is like much more lucrative uh, than a lot oh, yeah. of his action stuff. Um, I will say it is funny that like his first word uh, in the movie was "rock" <laughs> <laughs> um, for Dwayne, his rival, but um. Hey, no beef. Yeah, I think the he was really gone. good. I think I definitely think he elevated uh, the movie for sure. Like if if it was yeah. someone else, I don't know if it would be as good. To be honest, yeah, he was he was cooking at this time, saving Private Ryan the year before, and then this. Mm-hmm. Like man, mm-hmm. he was going. But yeah, I didn't mean to detract from favorite scene. Did you have any that I didn't mention that you're like, yeah, um, just like some small stuff. I really like the junkyard scenes. Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. like when we see like, uh, him and uh. Her, I keep, Dean, I think is his name. Uh, the, <laughs> we just the keep going artist. on Mary When they're like, <laughs> I know. Um, when they're like, just like making the art together and like he's telling him where to hang the stuff. And I don't know. I thought that was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever Hogarth like is sitting in the car without the seatbelt because seatbelts weren't a thing yet and yeah. like has him like spin around and like simulate the like launch, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> and of course, fun. like the scene where like he's playing like war with him and like he accidentally like like his programming kicks in and he acts defensively. And like that whole scene is just like really crazy. And like to see him turn later in the movie where he pulls out all these weapons and becomes the gun that he doesn't want to beat. It's like really scary. Like they do a really good job at like switching um, yeah. from like his regular friendly self to like this really terrifying uh, creature from space. I don't yeah. know. I think it's really great. Very scary. Yeah, when he transforms and like, like, oh my god, he's got all these cool. And I gotta say, I thought the weapons were cool, which I don't know what that says about me. But they I were like, cool. Oh man, but yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, they were scary. Like, yeah, there was like this one that was like a spinning disc that was yeah. rotating really fast, and this like little robot arm, like, like almost like plucked it and like it shot like laser beams. It was so weird, but I really like. I thought that yeah. was like a really creative and strange uh, thing. But yeah, that was cool. Big fan. And uh, yeah, moving on to favorite quotes. I'm sure we said some of them, but do you have any that you want to shout out? I, I'll take that one. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's so That's many great. good ones, but but yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah, uh, I'll just go through some of the some ones that I like. Uh, Hogarth, whenever he's explaining to him about the deer, he goes, mm-hmm. I know you feel bad about the deer, but it's not your fault. Things die. That's part of life. It's bad to kill, but it's not bad to die. And the Iron Giant says, you die? And he goes, well, yes, someday. I just think that whole conversation is just so sweet and and 
really essential for for this uh, for this movie. Totally. And then, of course, the quote: "It's bad to kill. Guns kill, and you don't have to be a gun. You are what you choose to be. You choose." And of course, the whole like Superman quote whenever he uh, sacrifices himself is like is just so good. Absolutely, can yeah. concur. And souls don't die. Sweet. Woo. Woohoo. Um, moving on to Houston, we have a problem. Do you have any qualms with this movie, Carter? Houston, we have a problem. Mine are just very nitpicky because I don't, mm-hmm. because I think it's dumb to have a qualm with this movie. But I'm just gonna throw a few that I think are just like silly that I just wanted to pick out. Um mm-hmm. the first one is that we're misgendering the Iron Giant. Or are we just assuming he's a he? <laughs> I thought that was pretty you know what's uh, funny? assumptive. Yeah. You know what's funny? There is a sequel book called The Iron Woman that apparently <gasps> oh. is like also really good. Um, and it's like a, a woman and she like does uh environmental stuff instead of stuff. Like that's kind of her theme is oh, like just like environmental crises. Well, there you go. Um I don't know if we'd ever get that in a movie. I don't think we need it, but no, I think that is kind of cool. I'll throw my body in front of that. But if Brad Bird wants to do it, I'll let it happen. I'll give it the okay. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned manly chloroforming a kid. Pretty pretty crazy that that happened. <laughs> that is pretty bad. <laughs> uh, the Iron Giant cannonballs into a pond and displaces an entire ecosystem in the pond. Just thought that was kind of fucked. That is, that is crazy. <laughs> and this, I don't know if this just is a, a narrative on the film or just a, a great comparison for our military industrial complex, but that army mobilized incredibly quickly on rockwell <laughs> like they had that nuke ready the warships were there off the coast in a matter of minutes they're trigger happy man they really were i mean they're the cold ready. war i get it but those are just my my nitpicks and i my big question and then i'll, I'll throw to you if you have any problems with the movie i just want to know uh-huh. what you think about the ending if it diminishes the ending at all, that mm. would you have rather That's seen a good question. the Iron Giant just be be gone? Or obviously at the ending, all the parts start to come together. He's on a, a glacier in Iceland or something, and he opens his eyes at the end and the movie's over. Would it have held more weight if he had not come back? Or what do you what's your thought on that? That's a really good question. I feel like it would almost be better to like show in some way that he is like in the afterlife. Uh, like maybe like add a little star in the sky like they do sometimes or like souls I don't, don't know. die. Like yeah. So, yeah, like I don't think he needs to show up again. I do like that it, it does end on like a kind of a happy note, but I do almost prefer the thematic, like bringing back the thematic question of like, do I die? Like, do I have a soul? Like, I don't yeah. know. I think something like that is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily have like a, a, pr- a preference. I don't think the movie was worse because of it. I agree. You? I, I agree. I I, just, I thought I'd, I'd bring it up. I like the, the 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 ending. I think either way, I would have been gotten on board with. We have to remember that it is a kids movie, uh, yeah. on on a surface. But in fact, <laughs> the cynic in me, the adult, maybe it's an optimist. I don't know. It's just like, man, he should have stayed dead. And I don't know if that's just because I I watch all these Marvel movies, Avengers movies, where nobody dies and they mm-hmm. all come back. So who's to say? But but yeah, this was the OG superhero movie. So there you go. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, I guess for me, like my biggest problem with the movie, like the only thing that like really kind of took me out was when the whole army mobilizes 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait, there's one kid there. I don't think they care. Like, they're not going to stop that <laughs> attack. They're going to keep going. Like, what? Um, yeah, I thought the I kid was dead at first, right? Kid, so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, also, yeah, he, the kid, abso- Hogarth would have absolutely died falling from like the, the distance that they got shot down from like he would have been dead but that's okay it's like um, the uh it's the transformers issue like every time like when shia LaBeouf keeps getting caught by optimus prime and bumblebee you're like wouldn't that hurt him falling on these, these steel and yeah. metal like yeah yeah <laughs> so i mean the- obviously we need to, we needed the iron giant to think he was dead so he could go full gun mode and anger but uh but yeah um Amazing. but yeah uh, moving on to awards with You Like Me, You Really Like Me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Uh, this was not nominated for any Oscars, unfortunately. Um, yes. I don't know if were the Oscar did the Oscars like do animated films at the, or was that not a category yet? So I wanted to bring this up because so this doesn't mm-hmm. start until 2001 when we give away the animated gotcha. feature oscar where shrek was the first one uh-huh. but i was curious like if this would have been an award they gave out in 1999 so i looked up the movies that came out this year in 1999 the animated movies jackson and yeah. here's what i think would have been nominated five movies for the 1999 oscar for academy for animated okay. movie and i think this is a stellar stellar list so first we have the iron giant obviously mm-hmm. then we have toy story 2 banger dang okay then we have i threw this one in for fun for us pokemon 2000 i watched the shit out of this movie oh hell i absolutely did i had that on vhs actually absolutely pokemon 2000 was great uh tarzan and then south park the movie i think this would have been a stellar actually is a strong category <laughs> i think so and south park was actually nominated for an oscar for best original song so it, it wouldn't be and That's i crazy. think tarzan i think phil collins won this year also for for mm-hmm. one of the tarzan songs so so yeah Contracts, i think they maybe? missed an opportunity so so yeah this was a good year for animated movies for sure but yeah Dang. no oscars um yeah do you have a golden odie you want to give out i'm giving my golden odie to christopher mcdonald because mm. I just think he is wonderful as a villain. I don't know if he's ever successfully played not a villain. He's always plays a sleaze ball. He knows what he is. He's typecast, mm-hmm. definitely. I think Happy Gilmore did that to him. But he's just wonderful yeah. as, as this character. <laughs> and 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 I, I love him and everything he is in, in, in as a villain. So yeah, Christopher McDonald gets my golden Odie. What about you? Yeah, mine's going to Vin Diesel just because I do nice. think he elevated the project and it's his best. Uh, I think it's his best stuff, um, despite only having like a few lines. I, I just think he really, really elevates the Where he shines when he's when he's used in the right capacity. Don't use him too much, but mm-hmm. use him use him here and there. Definitely. <laughs> um, and then for the squeaker, I'm actually giving mine to uh, Shooter McGavin, American Patriot, um, <laughs> just because. <laughs> At the very end, whenever he like launch, he steals the remote or the walkie-talkie <laughs> and tells them to fire the nuke, and then he's like, "Everyone's like, you idiot! Like it's coming here now!" And then he tries to drive off and leave and abandon the military, which I thought was really funny. Um, he's like, "I want to live!" Um, and then like <laughs> the Iron Giant just blocks the car immediately, and he like crashes, crashes immediately. And then great. you don't you don't hear yeah, from him thought... ever again. <laughs> That's the end of of that character. He doesn't. It's just up such again. a pathetic way for him to go out. It's so great. Um, yeah, I I really like that. 
my uh my squeaker controversially is going to Hogarth just for being uh, so careless. Leaves his camera in the woods, takes a selfie with the giant. He does lose a lot of his stuff. <laughs> leaves his BB <laughs> gun in the woods, and yeah, but but again, I mean maybe maybe an award to Hogarth's mom for naming him Hogarth. I feel like he's just getting beat up. Crazy in name. Crazy name. Hogarth <laughs> Hughes. In hindsight, cool name maybe, but but maybe at the time, I don't know, people would be like, Hogarth? More like Hobarth? I don't know. So Yeah, at one point in the movie, because like the BB gun's cut off, and he's like, Hog Hug, because like he couldn't <laughs> figure out who Hogarth Hughes was. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, if he had a normal name, maybe he never would have been found. So who's to say? True. So There's, true. Yeah, that's my squeaker. Sweet. Uh, let's move on to Surely You Can't Be Serious. Surely You Can't Be Serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And get into some trivia for the for the movie. Um, I thought was kind of interesting uh, was before this movie was reimagined, like like for the movie that we have today, um, it was trying to be adapted by the Who guitarist Pete Townshend into oh. a, a concept album, like musical kind of. Oh, interesting. Um, there was like, it was like a rock opera, uh, and it featured tracks such as "Man Machines," "A Friend Is a Friend," and "I Eat Heavy Metal," <laughs> um, which is pretty great. And like in the early '90s, like you said, he tried to like turn this concept album into like a musical uh, concept, and like it just didn't go anywhere. Um, so the like Warner Brothers like got the rights for it, and then just like turned it away from being. <laughs> Uh, like a musical although they did want to make it like an animated musical at one point too but like that didn't uh, end up happening Uh, I I think at one point he uh, was upset that it didn't get made but he said well quote what well whatever I got paid (laughs) and he was given like executive (laughs) producer credits for this movie too oh uh, nice kind of funny it all worked out for yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess I mentioned the film is the first 2d animated feature to have an entirely computer generated character in it which is pretty interesting i think yeah um uh another important reference to the iron giant uh what which was the fictional city that the film took place rockwell maine Mm -hmm. uh the iron man novella who took like took place in england so they wanted to choose like a rural american city where like the story could be adapted so like it was like pretty true um to the stuff but it was also um very I don't know, like it's like they and they picked Rockwell because it like reminded like a lot of the art reminded them of like Norman Rockwell, which is pretty interesting. Oh, cool. um, yeah, um, yeah, because Brad Bird stated that the city was designed to have a Norman Rockwell feel to it, um, which I thought was pretty good. Um, excluding all the yells and groans, the Iron Giant only has a total of fifty three words in the whole movie, <laughs> which is right in the sweet spot for Vin Diesel. <laughs> That's absolutely right. he can't go above 100 words i think that's no. his quota and then it turns into oh i can't stand him anymore <laughs> um and then finally when the giant looks over the hill at rockwell uh there's a moving star near the moon on the right hand side and this is intended to be sputnik like uh orbiting oh. Earth, which is kind of cool shout out sputnik yeah um and then of course uh put it to the test with the bechtel test uh i do you think I don't think this passes the Bechtel test? I don't think it does either. I think there's only yeah. one woman with a name in the movie. Yeah. So and then for the Rick Dalton meme test, I also don't think they say the Iron Giant. I could no, be wrong. I don't think yeah. they do. They just call him the Giant mm-hmm. at times. So so yeah, I, I I think you're right there. 
That's is that, is that a first time? A, a double no? For, a double no? I don't know. Uh, maybe. I'm, we'll I'm sure. Check. Well, check the go stats. back to the tapes. Check the stats. <laughs> go back and listen to all our episodes and find out. Beautiful. Excellent. Uh, moving on to one of our newer categories, we have what's in the box. Oh, what's in the box? Woo-hoo! Where uh, I know I love this category where we are going to be giving some of our favorite letterbox reviews that we found. And uh, we're going to rank it amongst our uh, top 100 so far on letterbox, which is pretty exciting. So for me, I have uh, three reviews okay. uh, from that. I found from letterbox. One comes from Logan okay. with five stars. It said, Cried over Vin Diesel. Normal day. I think it's great. <laughs> Man. Um, I have another from B. Mary. And they gave a five-star review. And it said, watched it with my six-year-old. Movie ends. Total silence. He whispers, that was awesome. And I just Hell think that's yeah. so sweet. And like that's the, that's who you need. This is like a, a father-son movie, I feel like, in like the best kind of way. Can't wait. And then uh, my final review that I found that just like made me laugh um, this was from Carolyn May, and this is a half star. And it says, they said, this movie gave me nightmares for three years. John Mayer looking junkyard bitch boy was cute, though. <laughs> <laughs> a nice half star. That's a bummer. Oh, yeah. I, know. I, have a, I, I found a half star <laughs> review, too. I'll share in a minute. So mm-hmm. t- tremendous. <laughs> Great review. Uh, wonderful. I, I brought uh, four or uh, three, four, four mm-hmm. quickies. Uh, my first one is four and a half stars from uh, Matt Singer, and it's nothing but respect for my Iron Man. Love that <laughs> one. Um, I kind of conglomerated a few that I read, and I want to mm-hmm. get your take on it. A lot of people just agreeing that this is the best Superman movie. Would you agree with that? Ooh, uh, yeah, honestly, yeah. I think yeah. I think so far it is the best Superman movie, just because. I think the biggest competition is like probably Richard Donner's first Superman. And that has a lot of issues. And this is like a pretty, pretty solid movie all the way through until we get James Gunn's Superman legacy, hopefully, which potentially might surpass it. We'll see. Uh, My final one or not my final, my second to last one. Uh, This is a five-star review from Cala joy. Uh, That one detective guy was literally the most insufferable, annoying character ever. But why did nine-year-old me low-key think he was kind of fine, though? So <laughs> a lot of Kent Mansley lovers out there. I don't know. And my final one is a half-star review from Christopher Nolan Smith. <laughs> Not to be confused with Christopher Nolan. And this review is, this movie was so cool. I wish the Cold War was real. So <laughs> amazing. Tremendous stuff. I love I love the letterbox community, man. Great people. <laughs> Amazing. Should we should we rank it now, Jackson? Yeah, amongst our top 100 so far, like where are you thinking uh for this? I'm kind of torn. I feel like it's maybe above Muppet Movie below Scott Pilgrim. That's just me. I gave it 5 stars. I don't know. I think you gave it 4 stars. Maybe I gave it 4. Um yeah. I I was kind of agreeing with you cuz I like to compare I obviously compare the animated movie to the other animated movie we have on the mm-hmm. list and I think Into the Spider-Verse is better. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and then it's a toss up. It's a toss up for me and it's, I, I'm going to leave it up to you because Muppet movie, Scott Pilgrim and Iron Giant were your picks. I'm happy with mm-hmm. them anywhere in that little conglomerate. So what do you think? Yeah, I think maybe I think above Muppet below Scott Pilgrim feels right. Okay. 
just because I, like I know I know you like Scott Pilgrim more. I think you gave it more than four stars. I could be wrong. I upped Scott Pilgrim. I had Scott Pilgrim at three and a half before we did the mm. rewatch, and then I upped it to a four as well. Gotcha. So okay. These are all movies. Muppet Movie, Iron Giant, and Scott Pilgrim. I all gave four stars. So Sweet. this cool. is up. So above Muppet Movie, below Scott Pilgrim. I think that feels right. Beautiful. It is locked in at 18th then on our list. We uh, have not revisited yet. We haven't done our bonus episode yet to kind of see if we need to revamp these a little bit, but might do that soon. But as of now, that's uh, 26 movies now on the top 100. How exciting. Cooking along. So exciting. And uh, let's jump into you feeling lucky. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Where uh, I have a game for you, Carter, and I'm pretty excited about this. Wonderful. Um, this is a movie about a robot. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it would be fun if I gave you audio clips of other famous movie robots and you tell me, one, which robot it is. Oh. And also, you're going to blind rank them one through seven. And so, oh. so you don't know what you're going to get. Um, you just know that they're at least somewhat recognizable. And uh, yeah, you're going to rank them and then hopefully we'll see if your uh, ranking feels true. If you agree with it, if not, um, then we'll consider you the loser. But uh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. This is fun. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait uh, to edit all these clips in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Clip one. Absolute honesty isn't always the most diplomatic nor the safest form of communication with emotional beings. Uh, Okay. This is... I think TARS from Interstellar. This is TARS from Interstellar. Yes. So now I have to rank it mm-hmm. somewhere one through seven. Oh man. TARS is pretty cool. I am going to put TARS at three. I think three. All right. I like I'll, that. I'll do that. All right. Moving on to clip two. Is that R2-D2? I think that's R2-D2. Is that R2-D2? That is not R2-D2. That oh. is, in fact, BB-8. Oh, I knew the motherfucker. Um, BB-8's pretty cool. Let's put BB-8 at five. Moving okay. on to Robot 3. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Okay. Uh, this, I think I got to put it to... This is HAL um, from 2001. Can you be more specific? How 3,000, 2,000, 1,000? How 1,000? It's, ooh, sorry. I'll give it to you. It's how 9,000. 9,000. Hal is cool and he's mm-hmm. uh, demented and has a big part to do in the story. I'm going to put Hal yeah. at two, I think. I think that's a solid spot. Yeah. All right. Hal Moving two. on to the next robot. <laughs> He is singing a song, if that helps. Oh, he's singing a song, eh? Uh, oh, yeah. But who is? Oh, uh, uh, Wally. That is Wally. Yes. Oh boy. Oh no. Wally's awesome. But is he number one? Hmm. I'm gonna put Wally at four. Four. This Wally is gonna get four. All right. This is gonna get tough because now I've left just the one and the six and seven spot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moving on to the next robot. So worried about not having a body, but now I, I truly love it. And I'm growing in a way that I couldn't if I had a physical form. I mean, I'm not limited. I can be anywhere and everywhere simultaneously. Okay. 
this is oh what's her name is her name this is from her is her name sam Mm -hmm. yes Uh, samantha yeah uh samantha i guess i'll put oh man i'm really playing with fire i'm gonna put her at six okay now i've really set myself up for success or failure so wonderful all right moving into our second to last robot I have no idea. What who is that? What is that? That that is Baymax giving oh, a fist bump. Baymax. Okay. Oh, but Baymax is pretty cool. Mm, I guess he's going at seven, and I'm just leaving this last one to be the number the number one. Of all, all right. Robots. <laughs> and finally, the last robot on today's show. What? Perfect. That'll be 50 bucks. 50 bucks? For what? A beautiful picture of your first moment in Robot City. There, I've captured your second moment. That's another $50. Are you keeping track? <laughs> I don't like that this is number one. Um, but is this Robin Williams? This is Robin Williams. What other robots has Robin Williams played? Oh, from Robots. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, Fender is going at number one. <laughs> All right. Robots yeah. list. Wow, I am not happy. There we go. <laughs> Your official blind rank uh goes Fender, Hal 9000, Tars, Wally, BB8, Samantha, and Baymax. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, I wish Fender would have been 7. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I guess I can get behind it. You and I talk about robots quite often, I feel like. We should uh, watch it together. I think that's that's in our future. Robots watch along. I would love to do that because there's some content in that movie. Let me tell you. So, wow. Okay. Fun game. I like that a lot. I like that. I guessed R2D2 twice and he didn't even pop up. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Wonderful. Fun. Um, Sweet. Let's do a a quick filmography update, Jackson, and then we can uh, hit the road, Jack. So the road week 32 update getting into it. Uh, this week, uh, David still in first uh, with nine films, 339 points. Still holds first. Barbie officially the highest grossing movie of 2023 internationally, passing Super Mario this mm-hmm. week. And it's the highest grossing Warner Brothers movie of all time now. It passed uh, Harry Potter Deathly Hollows Part 2 this week. Let's go. So it's up there Eat now. your heart out, JK. Yeah, take that. And uh, Legally Blonde 3, still on the radar, still on the roster for David. <laughs> so still there. We'll see if it continues. Jeff in second with 316 points with seven films. No real change there. I'm in third with eight films, 299 points. Uh, Bottoms releasing this weekend. Got some some good reviews, initial reviews. Let's see if some box office numbers trickle in for me. And Blue Beetle still earning, like, I don't know, a couple dollars. This movie is not making $500 million, I can tell you that. So that's still going. <laughs> I still have Problemista in Limbo that had released at film festivals, so has reviews, but doesn't have a release date as of right now. We'll see what goes on there. Fay 24 gives them a, one of those, uh, what is it, contracts that they can promote the movie. Because Fate 24 has been doing that with some of its movies, so we'll yeah. see if we get for mm-hmm. that. Uh, Cody in fourth, no real change, 276 points, eight films. Brian in fifth, 256 points with six films. Uh, Stray's earning a couple points here and there at the box office, but the big news shakeup for Brian is Brian dropped Foe and picked up the Taylor Swift era's concert, which I think is a 
a pretty good pickup. I think it's going to make so a too. bunch of money. Yeah. Like, people are going to love it. And so we dropped foe for that. But yeah. then Abby, Abby thinks, by the way, that she was at the concert that they filmed the concert at. So that's pretty cool. Oh, so you're going to watch it a couple times to see if she can find herself. <laughs> yeah, basically. Amazing. So. Uh, so, yeah. But then Brian decided to pick foe back up and drop dumb money. So dumb money's on nice. the table for anyone to pick up. So that's what's going on there. Uh, then Jackson and six with 176 points with four movies. No real change, really. Oppenheimer still still mm-hmm. going. It's trying to catch, I don't know if it has yet, trying to catch Bohemian Rhapsody to become the highest grossing uh, biopic of all time, which will be Let's exciting. Hope. I hope it passes that, personally. <laughs> and Corbin in seventh with 152 points, four films. Uh, he picked up the creator this week as he lost Dune Part 2. I don't think we even talked about that last week because it happened yeah. the Friday that our episode came out. So Dune Part 2 to push to next year. So he picked up That's the tough. creator in its place. That is a real bummer because I was looking forward to that. And it looks like 2020. I can't believe none of us picked up the creator though at the same time. I know like, that's that, a pretty good pickup. I think. Yeah, that movie looks good. I'm, I'm excited for that. Again, it's another like, let's see if it handles AI in the proper way because that seems to be the kind of the plot mm-hmm. of the movie. Let's see if that it does that well. And then finally, the real story of the week: Matt has a third movie, finally Ooh. in his roster after just having two movies. Um, so showing some signs of life. Equalizer three coming out this weekend. Got a couple early reviews, middling to positive. Seemed pretty good so far. Uh, so we'll see. He's uh, climbing up the ranks. Let's see if he can catch Corbino in the coming weeks. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. And again, Venice Film Festival is starting this week. It's going on as we speak. And a bunch of people have movies coming out this week that are premiering there. So we'll get some um, early reactions from that. Maybe some shifts in the points next week. And head-to-head matchup this week between Bottoms and Equalizer 3. And I think it's anyone's game at the box office this weekend, at least for the head-to-head, so we will see. And that's the update for this week. And as mentioned, next week for my little pre or uh, what's the word? Delayed uh, birthday episode. <laughs> I got there. Uh, we'll do a 2010's Oscar winner draft next week with our buddies over from CAP. Cody and Corbin will be joining us to have a little fun. So Should that's that. I'm excited. So amazing. Jackson, where can the people follow us on Instagram? They can follow us on Instagram at roughcut underscore pod. Click our link in our bio. Go follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. Beautiful. And check us out on Twitter at roughcut underscore co. We'll, we'll post the podcast episodes as well. We'll post them on Spotify. But also if you... If you really have to listen to us on Apple podcast, you can do that as well. We won't be mad, but but please listen to on Spotify if you can. Mm -hmm. So wonderful. Thank you all for listening as always. And and we'll see you next week for a little draft in action. Bye. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night.